Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! Brother-in-arms, Carl, uh, got some family stuff to attend to. So, the Golden Lovers are starting to are going to take over the Outsiders Edge for today. It's a little reversed. Normally, Outsiders Edge are taking over other stuff, but my uh, the Kota Ibushi to my Kenny Omega, my brother Kyle Morris is with me. What's happening, bro? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, shout out to Carl for letting me step in. Sorry you couldn't be here to join us today. Yeah, Cal is like the is like the sixth man on deck for all social suplex. So yeah, anytime somebody gets hurt, uh, I just get called in to swoop in and take their place real quick. I, has, I don't, I don't hate it. Hashtag get Cal the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we got a few things uh, we want to talk about, and I was gonna call this the free agent show because we have a lot of stuff not WWE to talk about today. We're going to do some WWE quick hits at the end, but my brother was like, we should call it the Golden Lovers episode because that's what we are. All right, that's going to be good with that. But we are going to talk about, like I said, uh, our major topics are going to be non-WWE stuff. And so uh, that's big for me because this is a WWE podcast. But we got to start with NXT, more specifically NXT UK. Before we even go any further, did you watch the shows? Wow. Just that that's all I can say about the shows is just wow. That was some some great great nights of wrestling right there. Now see, uh before I kinda lead in the topic, I'm not a big proponent of tournaments. I'm not a big fan of them because they, they really tend to be repetitive. You know, it's always the same stories that are told, you know, and I've been very vocal that I'm not, I'm a much bigger fan of the storytelling and the extraneous things in wrestling than the in-ring product. Not that I don't love it, but I just don't love it as much as the rest of the stuff. But the reason I love the WWE Network tournaments, like the Mae Young Class, the Cruiserweight, the UK, stuff like that, is because it introduces you to people you've never known before. And you are effectively, whereas, like, if you were to get a new wrestler on the main roster for any company, you would have vignettes. Here, you effectively are being introduced to them by their matches. And, like, so the second you saw Zach Gibson and watched him wrestle, you knew what he was about. Or Flash Morgan Webster, I don't know what my culture is. I'm from Houston, you know? But the second you see him, you get it. So uh, these shows were amazing, man. Um, So I want to talk about the shows with you for a minute, but I also want to ask you, um, Triple H has talked about his global localization plan right to kind of expand nxt and kind of make nxt um wwe of course but specifically nxt kind of like an nwa type deal where you have your performance centers and your branches in different areas of the world and a lot of people don't like that 
I it makes sense. It makes sense when you think about how Triple H came up through the business, though. Sure, he was he part of the territory last, area. He was part of that last generation to really experience the territory era. Absolutely. And he books NXT with a lot of those same tropes. Absolutely. That we used to see during the territory era. He booked it like it's so, an old NWA, TN, I mean, NWA WCW show. Yes. And yeah. so it makes a lot of sense that that's what he would want. Sure. And I'm I'm a proponent of it only because it's only going to mean more wrestlers and more popular wrestlers, which means the business is better. Because if you make it or if you don't, it's more people in the fray to work, right? Uh, so... I want to know what you think about the whole NXT UK brand because it's official. Their tapings are next month um, and where it's going and kind of give me your thoughts on the show, man. Like, what did you think of the shows? Well, I'll start with the brand. I'm really torn okay. on it. Um, I like the idea of more of these markets having access to shows, um, you know, not, not as much the UK in terms of they've got a thriving independent wrestling scene, but you know some of these other areas that Triple H would be interested in expanding in that maybe don't yet have thriving India, wrestling. India, the Middle East, and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, places that don't necessarily already have that kind of a thriving industry. I think it's great for them to have more opportunities um, and to be able to try that. On the other hand, you know, um, I am a teacher of United States history. That is what I do for a living. I teach high school. Um, one of my favorite time periods in American history to study and to talk about is um, the late 1800s, early 1900s, a time period called the Gilded Age. And one of the problems of that time period is monopolies and how dangerous monopolies are um, at that time, you know, for workers and consumers. I am not a huge fan of the idea of WWE taking over wrestling everywhere. Okay. Um, because I think that a lack of competition will lead to creative stagnation. And I worry about what that would mean for the future of the business. I think people would lose interest. Can I stop you right there? Because I want to ask you a follow-up question before we get any further. Yes. Um you're you're more versed in this subject than me because this is your expertise, right? This is going to sound really ignorant, but I, I'm sure you'll understand what I mean. In the entertainment field, can there truly be a monopoly? Cause, and, oh. and I say that because don't you think that this there there's no major competition, sure, but aren't they effectively becoming their own competition? Um. So to answer your question... In the entertainment field, can there be a monopoly? Absolutely. Um, the entertainment field, realistically, is a series of... It's not really a monopoly. The entertainment field is really like an oligarchy, which okay. is a fancy way of saying a few small company or a few large companies run everything. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely the case right now. In the United States, for example, pretty much everyone in the United States has all of three, maybe four options for internet. And in each individual city, you've really only got two. Yeah. You've got whichever one of Comcast or Spectrum is available in your market. Yeah. And yeah. you've got AT&T. AT yeah. That's it. And those companies are not just internet providers. 
Comcast is owned by Universal. The, the Universal, yeah. And so that's its own mega media market. Mm-hmm. Um, media conglomerates. Media conglomerate. Uh, Spectrum is owned by AOL Time Warner, yep. which is currently being bought out by AT&T. All of Fox's uh, movie and TV assets just got – not TV. Movie assets just got bought by Disney for $71 billion. All of the TV assets except for News and Sports, Fox News, and um, Fox News, and um, some of the broadcast and Fox Sports One. Okay. All of Fox's regional sports networks now owned by ESPN and ABC. Oh, that's right, because that was contingent on the deal. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> all region and within that, you know, all of their intellectual property that's being currently aired on the Fox network is now going to be owned by other people because as part of the deal to buy 20th century Fox, Disney owns family guy, the Simpsons, like all of that stuff. So they really own everything. We worry about WWE. Y'all need to be worried about Disney. No, that's not it. That's not even a joke. Disney is like a dangerous entertainment monopoly. They are the like second or third biggest entertainment company in the world. And it's scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're absolutely can uh, monopoly in the entertainment industry. Um, as far as can it be its own competition? Um, in theory, it can be, but WWE doesn't generally promote it that way. Like they don't true. promote NXT as a competition to the main roster. They promote it as like the extended universe. Like which it is like the main roster is um is canon and everything that happens on the network is the extended universe. That's 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 a fair way to look at it because um just recently it was it was a bit controversial that they're not announcing Sanity as former NXT tag team champions and that's not the biggest deal to, uh, biggest of deals to me, but I think they're doing that to effectively make Sanity seem like a a, a more uh a, a bigger threat more ominous if you will because i guess the thought process is and i'm just thinking i'm really jumping now but how can sanity be as ominous if they had to go to the feeder system and go to the pc four times a week you know instead of being this group of guys that just kind of appeared and i know it's really stupid to think of it that way but vince all thinks things this way that all i'm gonna say is if that's what vince is worried about he better hope that none of eric young's tna work ever sees the light of a WWE streaming <laughs> because ladies and gentlemen, if you are a fan of Eric Young and you have not seen his TNA work between 2002 and about 2010, oh, the laughs you are in for. Well, he is a former, uh, he is formerly one half of the women's tag team champions. Yes, he was a former TNA knockouts champion with ODB, yeah. who he kayfabe married and then kayfabe left um, to do an animal show because he was hosting a show for Animal Planet. Um, my favorite Eric Young is still 2003 TNA. He did an angle where he was paranoid that they were trying to fire him. Yes. And would randomly show up in the crowd in the middle of the show <laughs> with these posters because this is when everybody Don't still brought socks Eric. to the ring and it was Don't Fire Eric. And he would, yeah. middle of matches, he would jump the guardrail with his Don't Fire Eric sign. I think my favorite Eric Youngism is when he was in Team Canada. Every time they would come out, he would always be terrified by the pyro. Yes. He would just scare yes. the hell out of him. And, like, he knew it was coming, but he just scared the hell out of him every time. Yeah, see uh, the fond memories of TNA. Yes. 
I mean, honestly, his, the serious character that he portrays now was first in TNA. That was when he first became TNA World, World Elite, Champion. World Elite. Yeah, he Elite, did yeah. um, an angle with Bobby Roode, and the whole thing was how he's finally snapped. And yeah. Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky Eric went goodbye, and Psycho Crazy Eric came. If, if, there's the a, if there's a wrestler that definitely earned every penny that they made from TNA, it's Eric Young, because he did everything there. But we've really kind of strayed. I want to get back to NXT. It is my fault. I'm sorry. I want to get back to NXT UK. Um, yes, there is the fear of a monopoly happening. But if I may use the analogy in in sports, and I know it's not the same, but I'm sure you know I'm going with this. Um, in, in the NBA, there's this fear of super teams, right? Um, that kind of started with the Celtics when they got Paul Pierce, Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, but it really manifested when LeBron and Chris Bosh decided to take their talents to South Beach, right? So there was this yeah. fear that players don't want to have their own teams. They want to team up, make it easier. No, Most notably recently with Kevin Durant leaving a team that he was up 3-1 on to go to the team that they lost to in Golden State that had already won a championship prior. Right. Had already won a championship with a homemade super team. Absolutely homemade. So I, I don't consider and it a super Curry, team. Curry, Thompson, and Green were all drafted by right. the Golden State Warriors. Andrew, and, and, oh, and, and Harrison Barnes was drafted. Andrew Bogut was okay. traded for their best player at the time. So it was yep. truly and, – and they, and they got Andre Iguodala on a cheap deal to get him away from Denver. So, like, it was really, truly built from scratch. Um, But the, – so I bring that up to say this, and – we're going around the world, so for those of you listening, I'm sorry. Just bear with us. I say all that to say this, which has become my catchphrase, apparently. Um, I think super teams in the NBA are good for the league and not bad for the league. And I say that because it forces teams to realize you have to be on your shit, right? A lot of teams used to be able to just – the Atlanta Hawks, right? For years in the 90s, they just won 45 games. And that was good. You're preaching to the choir. I grew up in Charlotte. I'm a Hornets fan. So there you I go. A commitment to mediocrity. Yes. It was in, in that, that entire, even when they left and, and came back, that entire franchise has been about mediocrity. For the most part. They've had flashes of brilliance, but for the most part, right? Chris Paul let them slip through their fingers. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, not, so now you see teams like Philly. Nice. Your yeah. So now you see teams like Philly that have switched the game, and yeah, they had to endure a the shit process. ton of losing. The, the process. process. But look at them now. They're on the verge of becoming a dynasty. I'm not saying that everybody, that's, that's what you need to do, but there are different ways to go about this. right? The only way to win is not just signing somebody. Find other ways to become great. Golden State did. So I say that going to other companies, New Japan or Ring of Honor or Lucha Underground or you know, MLW has TV now. Just in your yeah, impact. But these other companies, you know, you're never going to compete with WWE in terms of market share or popularity or any of these things. But New Japan has proven over these past three years that you can take a, 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 a portion of the fan base that feels underserved by what you do best. New Japan is not trying to be WWE. And if they do, that's when they're going to fail. TNA has failed because, or Impact, 
because they tried to be WWE. When you become your own thing and stay your own thing, that's when you become viable. So it's a, it's a monopoly in the financial sense, sure. But in terms of fan bases, yeah, WWE is always going to be the most talked about. But I feel like New Japan and Ring of Honor in particular have a very strong interest from fan bases. So, so coming back to NXT UK and these uh, feeder systems, if you will, think about this. Um, they they formed NXT UK, but Progress and ICW still are in business. And they're not they're not taking away from them, they're working with them and possibly gonna put them on the network. And are and you know, based on the argument that you're making, if those companies continue to have good working relationships mm-hmm. with an NXT UK, I could be more on board with it. Because right. my bigger concern would be we get to a point where all of these guys will use NXT UK as our example. You know, these guys that we just saw in the tournament. My bigger concern for the UK's thriving independent scene would be what if WWE decides, okay, well, fine. If you work NXT UK, you can't work Progress anymore. You can't that's work a, that's IC. That's a definite fear. That's a definite and, fear. And if it, get, if it gets to that, then I have much more of the monopolies are bad because a lack of competition is not good for the consumer. Sure. Uh, but if they continue to have these working relationships with companies, I could be more, I'm more open to it. And there are a lot of signs that they will because Hunter first and foremost loves wrestling. Yes, the WWE Homer, because he will never bite the hand that feeds. He married into the family, but he loves wrestling. Mm -hmm. He is a fan of wrestling. He wants wrestling to be successful. He's an old school guy, and he may we can say he's a Vince disciple, which he is, but he's really kind of a Dusty disciple too. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and he he's done enough things with some of the indie promotions like having uh, having their superstars at access um um, having adam cole defend the north american title at um evolve show yeah you know so like they tommy is going to pro wrestling nowhere for marfucci's 20th anniversary Yes, even though I, even though we all know that they are uh, partnering up with Noah now as their answer to try to um, break into that New Japan monopoly. Hey, reasons for business have no. It's just getting the job done. It don't and, no matter the reason. Right, and you know what? Noah needs all the help they can get because no, yeah. Noah, Noah just everything New Japan does well. Noah does not, in my opinion. But that's just me. I'm not a Noah fan. I'm sure there are Noah fans out there. If Noah is your thing. Rock out. Not for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that's a good segue. One thing that you said I think is a good segue into we had wanted to discuss Ring of Honor. Yeah. And you had talked about how the day that New Japan stops trying to be their own thing is the day that they fail. And yeah. how Impact fails perpetually because Impact is perpetually trying to be something it's not. Yes. Um, I think that Ring of Honor is in the middle of an identity crisis. Okay. Hey, man, you've been waiting to say this on, on air, so by all means, have take it over. All right. 
only thing I want to preface before I rant about Ring of Honor is I am an Honor Club subscriber. I've been to every Ring of Honor show in Atlanta in the last two years because Atlanta's just a couple hour drive for me. It's real easy for me to get there. Um, I want Ring of Honor to be a successful company. You were going to go to Supercard of Honor before you heard your name. Yes. I went to Supercard of Honor last year when the Young Bucks and the Broken Hardys tore the house down in a great ladder match. I was going to go to Supercard this year before I hurt my knee and had to have surgery. I want Ring of Honor to be a successful company. Fuck you, Sinclair. You are shitting all over this company. (laughs) Multi-billion dollar cable industry. Owned Fox stations all across the country. You air your wrestling product at midnight on Saturdays, if you air it at all. You don't promote it at all. Fun fact, y'all, there's a Ring of Honor pay-per-view tonight. Fun fact, you probably didn't know that because they don't advertise. We're going to talk about that by the two, by the way. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's a pretty big match that's on that show, on the card. Yes, yes. It's, it should be a good show. Yeah. Um, you know, Women of Honor, let, let me go in on Women of Honor for a second. Ring of Honor had a Women of Honor system for a good two years, but didn't put that shit on their main show. Yeah, it was, it was just only internet. Year, I remember last year at Supercard, the pre-show was a couple of Women of Honor matches. It was the pre-show of this Supercard, except for the title match. They didn't start putting the Women of Honor, giving them their own belt and putting them on TV until after WWE made this big deal about a women's revolution and making women's wrestling a bigger deal. Then all of a sudden, Ring of Honor decided to start dick riding and said, oh, yeah, we got women too. We'll put our women out there. I'm all for women's wrestling getting more of a spotlight. That's not what I mean at all. But what I mean is, what the fuck is this? You had this program for years and don't even bother to put your women on it until your competition that you're constantly trying to say you're not trying to be like yeah. starts putting the women on and then all of a sudden you got them front and center. Make a big hype about Tennille Dashwood debuting for the company because surprise, surprise, where'd she used to work? Formerly known as... Yeah, Emma. For those of you that don't know. Yeah, but no, but uh-huh. the, she's a, she's she is. That's how she's introduced. She's Tenille Dashwood, formerly known as Emma, not just Tenille yeah. Dashwood. Yeah. Exactly, and, and so this is a company. You know, well, let's talk about All In. Let's uh-oh, talk about uh-oh. All In. Uh oh, because me and you have had this conversation. I have things to say on this one. Okay. So. Being the elite sold out a 10,000-seat arena in a half an hour with the only announced match being announced 20 minutes before tickets went on sale. And it wasn't a match. It was just no, it was a just title that, will be defended. Yeah, that Nick Aldis will defend the NWA championship at the show. Sold out a 10,000-seat arena in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Not because they did anything fancy. They didn't reinvent the wheel. Old school wrestling promotion. Characters creating storylines that they marketed out. Sold out a 10,000 seat arena. 
The New Japan's about to run this big show in the Cow Palace. I think there's still a thousand seats or so short of a sellout, but still, nine thousand seat arena for a company that airs shows there that airs shows in the U.S. a couple times a year, if that, and just started doing so. Meanwhile, Ring of Honor can't even get a fucking date at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Uh, we've Ring talked about that on the show too. Financed all in, but won't call it Ring of Honor all in because Ring of Honor can't sell ten thousand seats. <laughs> Cody and the Young Bucks can sell ten thousand seats. Ring of Honor can't. And next year, when Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks debut at the Royal Rumble, uh -oh. Ring of Honor will lose a huge part of their cash cap. Uh oh. Because that shit's coming, y'all. Money talks. They've done everything there is to do in New Japan and money talks. Okay, so 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 I want you, I want you to breathe for a second. For the record, if there's any show that loves rants, it's this one. So I love that. <laughs> but the best part about it is you echo things I've echoed a lot. The all in thing we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Me and you have talked about ad nauseum in person. But uh I want to get more into You've talked about a lot of macro things. I want to get more into some micro issues with Ring of Honor. Because I mean I I I, I don't have I'm in Texas, but I don't have I'm not I don't have a Sinclair stations. The only way I know to watch Ring of Honor is on Fight TV. Um and that's sad that it's easier to watch it on an internet app than on television, but we've we've kind of covered that. But I do want to get to especially with the show, uh if you're listening to this if I put it out today, it'll be Thursday. If you listen tomorrow, it'll be that night. Um, Pay-per-view. One of their better, bigger pay-per-views of the year. Uh, but I do want to get to some micro-issues. For example, um, you and I have talked a lot about their lack of star power. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, they have star power, but their stars do most of their work in New outside Japan. Of outside of the company. Um, let's talk about Don Castle for a second. Don Castle, if you don't know, and sure some of you don't know is the six month now going Ring yeah, of Honor World Champion. Yeah. Beat Cody at a final battle. And um but like I said, most of you don't even know that. Um he and speaking of that big match we were talking about, Dalton Castle is defending in a triple threat match to uh to at what is it, Best in the World? Best in the World, yep. Best in the World against Cody and Marty Skrull. He beat Cody for the title at Final Battle in, in uh, December, and Marty uh, Unsuccessful Allen. Yes, at uh, Supercard. Yes. So that's the main, uh, that's your, your headliner. So let's talk about their, their kind of main event scene, because I, when me and you talk about it personally, we've mentioned that they have a lot of meat. They have a lot of really good guys in the mid-card. Punch Martinez just won the the TV title and the kingdom is a great act and SCU they're not they they're around like they're great wrestlers mm -hmm. and they're around but they're not really pushed to the level at which they possibly could be and you know you got the gamut of guys who fought for the TV title for like a year and a half and Kenny King and Silas Young and Cheeseburger and um, Shane Taylor and you got a lot of guys right there in that middle area right but that main event level what do you think is their biggest issue with finding main eventers? They've got a couple of issues. Some they can control, some they can't. 
one of the issues they can't control is because they're um to use a sports analogy they're a mid-major okay they're not power conference they're a mid-major they're george they're george mason and, and so because of that one of the problems that Ring of Honor has that they can't control is when their stars get to a certain level, their stars leave for WWE. Okay. Kevin Owens. Yeah. Dan Bryan. Yeah. CM Punk. But that is a different generation, though. Kevin Owens really isn't. Not if you think about it. No, not tremendously, but I guess I'm thinking generation. about... I guess I'm thinking about Roddy guys... Strong. Okay, there you go. That's more of this generation. Roddy Strong Adam is more... Cole. Adam Cole. Okay, yeah. See, that's more I'm thinking of, like more, like currently, O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Yeah. Adam Cole fought Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the Ring of Honor World Title for a good portion of last year. Didn't he? Didn't Adam Cole fight Kyle O'Reilly at Wrestle Kingdom just two years ago? Yes. Okay. For the Ring of Honor World Championship. That's what I thought. Yes. Um, so, like, that's something that they're not really able to control at, at present because Sinclair um, – and I'm going to put this on the ownership group. Sinclair doesn't really care if Ring of Honor gets that much bigger as a company because it's not their moneymaker. It's just a thing that they own. And so when guys get to a certain point in their career where they've achieved what they set out to achieve, they dip. And they go to greener pastures. Or it, sometimes they leave and they don't go to WWE. Sometimes they leave and just go full-time at New Japan. Michael Elgin is a good example of someone who just decided to do more full-time New Japan stuff. Yeah. Um, you And you see it with some of the Bullet Club guys. Hangman Page and Marty Skrull are starting to do an awful lot of stuff over in New Japan. Hangman is in the G1. Yeah, Hangman's in the G1. He had a big program with Switchblade, Jay White. like yeah. that, And so that they can't control. Yeah. But what, one thing that they can control is they don't do a good job of striking when the iron is hot. Okay. Um, Dalton Castle was... If they were going to make Dalton Castle champion, they should have made him champion before they did. And he should have dropped the belt by now. Now that I agree with. Especially after Supercard, although I would argue that they set him up to fail at Supercard. Oh, absolutely. Um, if you did not see Supercard of Honor, the biggest match at Supercard of Honor and the match that everybody who bought a ticket bought the ticket to see was Kenny Omega versus Cody. Bought the pay-per-view. I bought the pay-per-view. So, yeah. Know. Everybody who wanted to see Supercard bought it for Cody and Kenny. Yes. But that match did not go on last. It did not. It the world championship on last. And I respect respect prioritizing your world title and saying that it's the biggest thing. I respect that. But the billboard for the show was Kenny and Cody. Like that was on the actual marquee. Mm -hmm. So that was the main event. And putting Marty and Dalton Castle on after that, set both of them up to fail because the crowd was spent. So this is like Rock Hogan and then putting yeah. on Jericho Triple H last. Exactly. Gotcha. Everybody paid to see Rock and Hogan. By the time Jericho and Triple H came out there, everybody was tired. Yeah. And again, I want to reiterate, we talk a whole bunch of shit about WWE and how long their shows are. This was five hours. Yes. yes. No pre-show, just five hours. 
Yes. Yeah. And five hours of a lot of high impact stuff because um, Hangman Page and Kota Ibushi had a pretty crazy physical match on that card. Um, the Bucks, the Bucks and Flip wrestled uh, SCU Alan. and the Kingdom. Oh, it was just yep. SCU. It was just I SCU. think it was just SCU because the Kingdom came from under the ring. Yeah. That was a crazy match. Yeah. Um, Ishii so, like, fought Punishment Martinez. Like, it yep. was a really stacked card. Yeah. And honestly, Castle versus Skrull was not even third or fourth it lacked heat. on it lacked the heat. list. It lacked heat. And part of the reason it lacked heat is because of the way that the show is structured. So you said you've seen the show on Fight TV. Um, Ring of Honor, they are seemingly incapable of running segments that build character. Okay. Or running segments at all. Um, they're like, they're like this weird hybrid between WWE and New Japan where like they air a match and then in between matches, they do a segment, but it's not really a segment. It's just a pre-taped promo that's going nowhere. Is it the promo that's in front of those, that background? Yeah, it's either in front of the background or it's some random spot in front of the merchandise stand or some other, like, generic location. Yeah. And all they talk about is the match that they're going to have after the commercial break. Not any kind of, like, program that they're building. So Ring of Honor does a really poor job of building their matches into larger angles. So And that at work if you portray yourself as more of an entertainment-based wrestling company than a wrestling-based one. Which is what Ring of Honor made its initial name on, is being a wrestling company. Yes, they stopped doing what they do and have started to become something they're not, and it's not working. In fact, they were too, res- they were too wrestling. Like, they had a pure title. Yes, yes. The the Code of Honor was how you... Yeah, it was how you knew who the faces and the heels were because the faces always adhered to the code of honor and the heels didn't. Yeah, like like they only had at one point like three fights without honor and a fight without honor is your standard disqualification match. So, yeah. okay, so before we move on from Ring of Honor, um, I want to ask you two more questions that will kind of lead us to our next subject, but two more questions. Uh, first, we talked about why there aren't any main eventers, who would you make as a new crop of main eventers? Like, give me four or a couple. And secondly, uh, and, real, and you can add, you can put both this together. Secondly, since we've talked at ad, ad nauseum about the problems that they have, what would you do if you could to help get them on track? I'm not saying that you have the book, but to help them get back on track. All right. So the answer to your second question is I want Mark Cuban to buy them. Oh, well, it's just new ownership fixes everything, right? <laughs> no, it's not that new ownership fixes everything, but He it's cares that, about his products. Exactly. He cares about his products, and he would like to own a wrestling. He would like to get into the wrestling industry. That's why he courts New Japan so hard. And if he does and, buy Ring of Honor, he'll still have access to New Japan because of the talent exchange. Because of the talent exchange, and he would give them, he would give them better time slot, and oh, he yeah, would oh, market yeah. them. If nothing else, even if he didn't, even, you know, access might not be in a lot of homes, but if nothing else, he would at least market them because Ring of Honor doesn't even really have very good social media presence. They're on social media, 
but I wouldn't say that they make effective use of social media in the way that their talents do. Your talent should not be better at marketing themselves than you, the company, are. That's a good point. And so I I don't think that new ownership is a, like, fix-all, but I do think that he would change the way that the company is prioritized, and he would have more of a growth mindset. And we've been talking about this identity crisis. If nothing else, he would decide what he wants the company to be, and he would make it that. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that even if it's to a detriment. Yes. Um, so that would be my answer to that question. Um, if we're talking about a new crop of main eventers that currently work for the company, yes. Um, I fully support Matt Taven and both the kingdom. Of you, both, of you have, both of us have said he should be the next champion. Yes, I fully yeah. support Matt Taven and the kingdom becoming bigger parts of the roster. Um, people like Flip Gordon. In that Ring of Honor fandom, people really like Flip Gordon. You can thank BTE for a lot of that, too. Yes, you can thank BTE for a lot of that, but take advantage of that. He's still, you know, new. He's still young. Um, I would elevate him. Um, Punishment Martinez could fulfill that upper mid-card Haas role. Sure, the Kane spot. Yes, he could be that Kane gatekeeper. Um and then I know it's technically I know he's technically only affiliated with them because of the talent exchange, but I just want Kushida to have a platform where he can be the number one star of a company. So, I would love that. Yes. So, so send Kushida to Ring of Honor and just let him be the Okada of Ring of Honor. Can can we talk about Kushida for just like a quick second? I'm always down to talk about Kushida. For those of you uh, you're listening to this, so you, you're very familiar with the Social Suplex Podcast Network. So shout out to Keeping the Strong Style with Jeremy and Josh. But Josh and I talk all the time about why Kushida is not pushed in the heavyweight division because he's a monster. Kushida is tremendous. Kushida is so good that they have to de-push him to put everybody else above him. But I think that's why they don't push him in the heavyweight division. Because they don't they want to make Kushida happen. a heavyweight because they don't want Kushida to steal the shine. They know what's going to happen. Boys. Yes. So I love the idea right. of saying, hey, man, go run Ring of Honor for a couple of years and do what you do. And and then he could go back to New Japan as a superstar, even though he I technically already is. Him, yeah. him versus Kota Ibushi, title versus title. Yes. That'd be tremendous. So, yeah, I'm on board with that 100%. So, but I, so I asked you those questions because number one, we, one thing I, one thing I don't like about us as a fan base is we like to complain a lot, but we don't have solutions and our solutions a lot of times are going to be stupid because we're not in the business, but at least have an idea. I don't just complain to complain. And you have been very vocal about your ring of honor disdain, but you've always had solutions. It was never just from a place of hate. It was from a place of love, right? So that brought that brings us to a conversation we had last night I wanted to say for the podcast. So the world is so different in wrestling right now that everywhere you look, there is talent. And you couldn't say that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 5 years ago. I'm not just talking about like, oh, talent I can go see to a show. Like legit talent you could see having a real run in New Japan or WWE, right? Uh, you want to see. You well, Not only that you want, but you could. Like, a lot of these guys, even though I don't like them, I could see it. Um, so I asked you to tell me five free agents that you could see that you would want 
or if you could, you would sign in WWE. But the caveat was the word free agent in this respect meant somebody that was not signed to a company that has a major television show. So that's WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact, Lucha Underground, and we didn't talk about MLW because I don't know who's signed and who's not. So like I a guy like I know I know Shane Strickland and Maxwell Joseph Friedman are signed there. And neither of us picked those two. But those are two great stars, right? But yeah, so yeah, yeah. So of those outside of those five, and if your if your company was a name, I apologize if you're listening to somebody from that company. It's not a diss. I'm just talking about the major companies. So uh give me your five and then I'll give you my five and then we'll elaborate. How about that? All right. Um, so my five in no particular order, I'll give the first one I'm going to give was our exception. He was our mutually declared exception to the rule. Um, and this man has gone by many names throughout the years. Um, currently he goes by three different names, depending on who you're talking to. What company? Uh, <laughs> yes. Depending on the company. So at various times he's been Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo, Boone um, the Bounty Hunter. Boone the Bounty Hunter. You all probably know him most um, most well-known as John Morrison. Um, and again, he was our exception because he's literally everywhere. Yes, but just not like, signed to anybody. He's not signed really to anybody. Like, he's all over Mexico right now. Like, that's people who were wondering whatever happened to John Morrison, that's what happened. He realized that his parkour fit in Lucha Libre in a way that was just perfect, and he became huge. Yeah. Um, so he was my first one. My Lucha, second one... Lucha, hold on real quick. Lucha Underground has a talent exchange with AAA or CMLO? AAA. AAA, got you. AAA. Um, my second one is pretty well-known in the independent scene. Um, I'd go with Matt Riddle. Uh, Superstar. It, and we, yeah. also have, we also both have him. He's probably the top guy in the Indies. Yeah, if you if you've seen Matt Riddle, you understand why Matt Riddle. Um, my third, I'm gonna go with Jeff Cobb. Um, he's not technically full on with New Japan yet. Um, he is technically with Lucha Underground, but not as Jeff Cobb. He wrestles under a mask as um, Matanza. So if you don't know that he's under the mask, Jeff Cobb. He's he's a bigger guy, but he's also short and that allows him to incorporate more of the athleticism, that time with the Lucha. Um, then uh, switch it up a little bit. Chelsea Green, she used to be signed with Impact as Laurel Van Ness. Speaking of Chelsea, and she's also Zack Ryder's girlfriend, but speaking yes. of her, she is in a WWE tryout right now with, like literally as we speak, with uh, Robbie E. So she might be yeah, signed. Sign both of them. Hell yeah. Sign them. Both of them deserve to be signed. Absolutely. Robbie E on 205 Live tomorrow. Um, you Look, you ain't going to get no complaints from me. Both of them deserve to be there. And then my last one, the cream in your coffee, your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, David Starr. Yes. Yes. I love, I, I love David Starr and how different he is and Really tapping into that kind of uh, doesn't he have like the Jewish championship or something like that? Yes, he's unabashed. He is unabashed about his Judaism. I love one that. of his one of his many nicknames is the Circumcised Savior. I that, was gonna go through the whole. I was gonna go through the whole list, but yeah, the Circumcised Savior. You got me. I'm there. Like <laughs> that's so ridiculous. It works. 
Um, so let me give you my five real quick, and then I want to I want to kind of dip in on the three we disagree not disagree with, but we both pick differently. Mm-hmm. So of course, me and you both picked Riddle and Morrison. I think they speak for themselves. Um, I uh, I'm I'm gonna start with Walter, and we kind of had a bit of a disagreement about him because Walter's almost guaranteed to be signed NXT. But it's the, not only official yet. Pick, the only reason I didn't pick him is because I'm pretty positive he's gonna. Right. And if I would if I wouldn't have picked Walter, I would have probably picked Chelsea as well. Um, because she should have been there a long time ago, but that's another conversation. Or if you don't want to pick Chelsea, you can say Ivelisse, right? One of those two, like I do love Ivelisse, but amazing. she signed Lucha. Oh, was she? That, yeah, she signed a Lucha Underground. Okay. Funny how both of them weren't tough enough and they got let go. But All right. Um, so much talent from Tough Enough. Kenny King was on Tough Enough. For as much as people shit on Tough Enough, and for as much as we all shit on WWE, like Tough Enough produced a lot more people than people give it credit for. Matt John Cross, Morris from Tough Enough. John Mo- Matt Cross, M Dog Twenty Twenty, or I'm sorry, Son of Havoc. Marty Son of Havoc. Marty the Moth, Martinez, yep. Martin Cassius. A lot yeah. of guys. Yeah. yeah, like you know, we all remember the Mavens and the Nidias of when it just started, but like a lot of people came through that tough enough. It's not the Divas search, y'all. Actual talent went through tough enough. So uh, my last two, and I I, I kind of took liberties with one of them because it's a package deal, but um, I'm gonna start with Mia Yim. If you have paid attention to the Indies since WrestleMania weekend. There might not be a hotter woman in wrestling than Mia Yim. Keith Lee picked her to be. Yeah. Keith Lee picked Mia Yim to be his final match on the Indies. That now, look at Keith Lee, six foot four, five, three hundred and twenty pounds. Mia Yim, five foot six, a hundred and probably twenty. Yeah, but say she don't deserve it. Say she no, don't deserve she it. She deserves. In fact, no, does she deserve it? If you watch the match, she took it to him. Just as much as he took it to her. Um, she, yeah, Mia Young's probably the best unsigned woman maybe still wrestling right now. Um, now, that Shirai, now that Io Shirai has been signed, absolutely. Right, and even then, Io Shirai was signed to stardom. We just didn't call, we just didn't say them. True. Um, but then, look, man, I have my issues with this dude. But you cannot tell me he's not the hottest wrestler in the world right now. That's not in a major company. Joey Janela is killing right now. Joey Janela and Penelope Ford as a group, but Joey Janela in particular are killing right now. He just won the WWN, WWN Championship. Um, my issues with Joey Janela aren't him. I think he might not be the best wrestler, but he always does. He, more than any wrestler out, will do anything in, he possibly can to entertain you, and I respect that. But I hate that he had to go deathmatch to get there. Um... And ooh, something else I was telling you I hated about him that just, just slipped my mind. But uh, well, well, thinking of that, I'll say this: um, we were talking about differences and why he was why he was on your list, why he wasn't on mine. The only reason he's not on mine, I've heard a lot of great things about Joey Janela. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of high praise about Joey Janela. I've only ever seen one Joey Janela match. Was it the one where where Zandik threw him off the top? Yeah. yeah. So what everybody's seeing of him. Yeah, and so I, I'm not going to put him on my list because I'm not familiar enough with him to say, oh, yeah, I absolutely want to see Joey Janela signed to whomever. I've heard all sorts of great things, and I am 
absolutely down to look up some of his stuff and check him out more. But at this point, I haven't seen a lot of Joey Janela. Well, let me flip that for you. <coughs> Luka Doncic just got drafted number three, right? Yes. He could have been drafted number one. Yes. Nobody in America has ever seen him play because he plays in the EuroLeague. But everybody knows he's a superstar. So sometimes you don't have to see a dude to know he's a superstar. Yeah, but everybody knew Ricky Rubio and Andrea Bargnani were going to pan out too. Okay. And we saw how that went. Ricky Rubio has been a good player. Bargnani was supposed to be a superstar. And that didn't pan out. So he was screwed from get-go. You're, that's, a good, that's a good comeback. Uh, no, the only reason I bring that up, though, the only reason I bring that up, though, is you talked about the EuroLeague connection. That's a good comeback. Well, one thing that we both know good and well is if you're not part of the majority group, the first one that fucks up, fucks, fucks up it up for everybody. Everybody, yes. Because now that Bargnani was such a colossal flameout, mm-hmm. every EuroLeague player is viewed with skepticism. It's just like Kwame Brown flamed out out of high school, and from then on, all years old. talking about age limits and can high school kids <laughs> handle it, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Great point. Meanwhile, point. we forget Kobe, and, uh, Kobe, LeBron, and Garnett all came straight out of high school, and all three of them are going into the Hall of Fame. Grace McGrady, Jermaine O'Neal, Moses Malone, but... Yeah, listen. This is this isn't the Outsiders Edge NBA podcast because we could talk. About so so you know, point. bring that up to say, I haven't seen Joey Janela aside from the death match stuff, and death matches are death matches. Just because you're good at death matches doesn't automatically mean this is true. I want to see outside of them. But but much like Dean Ambrose, uh, I appreciate guys like Janela. Matt Tremont's another guy. I mean, I've seen a lot of Matt Tremont, by the way. Oh, yeah. Before you go on, before you finish your point, let me just put this disclaimer out there. I have nothing but respect for deathmatch people because Same they man. have balls ten times the size of my own because I would never intentionally do that to myself. I have issues with deathmatch wrestling, but yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Respect. M- respect. Not yes. for me, but respect. Uh, yes, perfectly. 100%. Um, but I appreciate that Janelle and Tremont and a couple other guys, uh, A.R. Fox or Dante Fox, as you know him, Shane Strickland. Uh, Strickland was a two-time CW, CZW champion, by the way. These Some of these guys who did Deathmatch and kind of started their name that way have expanded beyond it, have shown I'm more than just this guy. And Ambrose kind of opened up that recent, recently that that uh, window for, hey, there's more to this guy than putting a, a sawzall to his head, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- what I love about Janelle is his ingenuity. And I say that because GCW, uh, Game Changer Wrestling, which is, I- I'm not even going to call it a, it's not a, it's not a deathmatch fed. It's more than that. But uh, every year, Recently, they've run like specialty shows during WrestleMania weekend, right? Uh, like this year, they had the Bloodsport show that Matt Riddle sponsored, which basically the entire show was like real ass fighting, with like with the ring, but like no post and no ropes, and you just go out there and get your ass beat. And like it's so, yeah. it was so different. Riddle and Suzuki killed each other. Well, it should have Riddle should have been killing low key, but that's another conversation. Um, but Janela, the past couple years, might have been three actually, has run Joey Janela's Spring Break. I've never been to it, 
but from everybody that's been, even just internet, just if you check the internet and Twitter. Say I bought the iPay-Per-View this year. It was a great show. Everybody says it's the best show of WrestleMania weekend. It was a lot of fun. And and that's all from his mind. And then I'll tell you this. I've never seen the show, but the way he the little um the little video packages he has to announce the matches are mm-hmm. genius. Like the old school video game eight bit stuff. Yep. Um so I really like the dude's ingenuity, his willingness to do whatever it takes to entertain. And as such you see he's being really really uh not so not only supported for it, but he's becoming successful for it outside of having to literally jump off of twenty feet through tables and light tubes and barbed wire, right? Um, so that's, that's, I, that's why I picked him, but I think any of the 10, we, any of them we picked all, all deserving. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, Joe, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about Joey Janela from not just you, from a lot of people whose opinions I very, very much respect. Um, I just, I'm not very familiar with him. So I went with David Starr instead. Can we go with, can we talk about somebody we're all familiar with, but we don't want to be anymore? Oh, Obviously. So let's Brock. let's yeah we we, we, need to, we got to talk a little WWE and we're gonna these are like some quick hits but um, Brock Lesnar the finesser of all finessers I don't um, know Jeff Jarrett's still alive this is a good point like Jeff Jarrett hey. made a merge with him rebrand and then put fucking duct tape stickers over their world title for the next three months because this, this, this is true but Brock Lesnar did. Win the championship, not defend it, and then go wrestle for another, go fight for another company. This is true. He also is, I think, in a lot of ways responsible for the death of Roman Reigns. That's CM Punk's fault, but sure, you can put him on the list. No, I'm not talking. No, CM Punk was CM Punk might have been responsible for the stabbing. Oh, the but he ended death it. Is Brock Lesnar's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I, say this, I say that to say this to borrow your catchphrase I say that to say this even though I wouldn't have necessarily liked it when Roman beat Brock at Mania I would have forgiven that yeah I would time give time. that as opposed to Brock Lesnar's never ending hostage of the universal title <laughs> Somebody call Bruce Willis or Liam Neeson. We gotta find the Seriously. title. <laughs> Seriously, can I get John McCain to Yippie Kaye motherfucker Brock out of here? <laughs> I would oh, cheer man. like you know. I would cheer anyway because I'm a fan of this person. But I know for a lot of people, this would be the ultimate insult. I would cheer if Joey motherfucking Ryan sleezed his way down to the ring and dick flipped Brock the fuck out of here. If Brock does the dick flip, I think Brock would be loved again for even uh, allowing himself to do the dick flip. I mean, I think everybody should allow themselves to do the dick flip because I know a lot of people don't think wrestling can still be fun, but I am fully of the belief that wrestling can still be fun. Sure. Fuck it. It's fun. Let it be fun. So I bring up, I, I want to talk about Brock Lesnar for a second because he's in the news for a number of reasons. Uh, in fact, like Meltzer can't keep my mouth for like five minutes. So let's let's run down the list of things he's in the news for. Number one, uh, he the the storyline recently has been that Heyman doesn't think that Heyman is offended that they think that somebody has the ability to be put in a match with him. 
So he got the Extreme Rules multi-man match killed. It's number one. Number two, Meltzer has changed his mind three times. First, uh, he wasn't going to defend at SummerSlam. Then, oh, well, he's going to defend at SummerSlam against Roman Reigns. Then it changed to, uh, well, you know, uh, Brock might not even be signed. or It's changed so many different times. So there's the possible SummerSlam match. It really just further proof that WWE just strings Meltzer along and he eats that shit up. Hey, man, look. The only person on this show that I could talk shit about Meltzer is me, bro. Okay? No, Don't dude, infringe fuck, on my territory. <laughs> Don't infringe on my territory, bro. First of, all, first of all, you don't get to go reinventing star systems and shit. That's not how that go. You don't oh, just get to man. add stars to the system. And y'all wonder that's, why this is my brother, right? Y'all wonder, right? <laughs> that's number one. Number two, with the mind changing, all that means is that Dave Meltzer believes and reports every single fucking thing someone even remotely connected to WWE tells him. Heard it from Brock's makeup guy's assistant's ex-wife's boyfriend. So he's so he's so he's Harvey Levin. Yeah, like he's the Mean Girls. He's um, a plastic. Like, he's a plastic. <laughs> he's a plastic, and the newsletter is his burn book. Oh my! I am going to call him the plastics, plastic melter forever now. Oh my goodness, that's great. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> God. You know, okay, so uh, I was talking with, uh, you know, right for the chair shot, and I was talking with Steven, who is the reviewer of Chair Shot, um, about Brock, and I am not a, I am not behind the story, so let's get that straight. I'm not a fan of the story, but I'm able to discern the difference between liking something and appreciating it for what it is. The story that they're trying to tell with Brock Lesnar. I think I don't like it, but on paper it's genius. And the story is they have flipped the idea of dominance from oh well everybody he beats he everybody he wrestles he beats. And they flipped it from that to he's so dominant nobody deserves a shot at him. And because he has power of attorney or legal precedent or whatever you want to say, find legal loopholes. He doesn't have to, he's not defending the title because nobody's worthy. He don't think nobody's worthy to even waste his time to fly into the city to defend his title. So here's why it works, though. It wouldn't work for anybody but Brock for one reason and one reason only. Well, I lie. It would work for one other person. It would work for CM Punk. Okay. For the exact same reason. Because both of them are dicks in real life and don't care about anyone but themselves. Yes. So. It works because you could legitimately see Brock Lesnar sitting in a room saying, nah, fuck these scrubs. <laughs> they want me to wrestle who? They want me to wrestle gender? Fuck that. I'm gone. No. Give me give me AJ or I ain't wrestling. Give me AJ or I'm not showing up. <laughs> and so, but... They could, see, they could see Brock just phoning it in the day of, yeah, I was going to get on the plane, but I had to take a real bad shit, so I went home. Well, see, that's where you're wrong. He wouldn't even call. He just wouldn't come. <laughs> Remember uh, what was it at a uh, elimination chamber where he was supposed to be at the show, but he was with Dana White in yeah. a UFC shirt in the same city. Um, uh, but uh, you know, we're we're such a smart fan base now, such an intelligent fan base in terms of we know so much about the, or we think we know so much about the inner workings of the business. 
um, and we've become so entitled that we kind of have changed the way that they've had to book, right? Which is why a lot of the times, Nia Jax is a, per- is a perfect example of Nia switched from heel to face to heel, but WWE would say she has anything but just stay true to her character. Bailey, Bailey did what most people would call a heel turn, which is actually the next topic. We'll get to that in a second. But was it really I a heel hope turn? She's the heel. I know a lot of people don't. I hope she's well, the heel. We're gonna get to that. I needs it. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that because that's something again. We're gonna. That's the very next topic. All right. Um, but I think with Brock, they've realized much like you said, he's a dick. I think they they're trying to book differently. That the goal for every story is at the end of it to have to to be entertaining. This hasn't been, but okay. But at the end of it, if it's not gonna be entertaining, at least have a purpose and elevate, right? So whoever finally does be Brock should essentially be elevated, right? I feel like at this point it's got like I feel like at this point. I know that everybody thinks they're building to Roman, but to me, all signs point to Bobby Lashley. Oh, and then Braun Strowman, okay. and then Braun Strowman cashes in and beats Lashley, and that's the program. Well, because okay. and Lashley are at least both full time. Can we can we talk about how this consistent thought process that Roman is always going to get every title shot is getting old? I'm not talking about them giving the title him the title shots are old, but that. For four years, we've we've in our minds as fans just assumed that Roman's always gonna get the title shots, and he doesn't get them, and he continues to lose. Well, I'm just going off of what the report that's constantly changed has been, and and also with WWE, I generally take a contrarian stance of whatever they're telling me, they really mean the opposite. So if they're telling me Roman doesn't deserve a title shot, Roman. Has oh, he lost does. it. He blah 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 blah. Then I I my mind automatically goes to okay. So the story they're going to tell is how Roman overcomes that and gets the title shot anyway. They can't do it again, can they? Uh, they shouldn't do it again. That doesn't mean they won't. Dog, look. I look. agree with what you're saying, bro. I agree oh, with what God. you're saying. They shouldn't do it again, but that doesn't mean they won't. This is a good point. And, and I'm interested in Lashley and 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 uh and Lesnar, because of the very real. Lesnar was the only thing about Lashley coming back that was interesting to me in the first place. Right, and this this fight should be happening in the UFC. Yeah, these are two legitimate heavyweight badasses who mm-hmm. can step into the octagon and legitimately beat the shit out of each other. I I I I selfishly because the show's in Brooklyn. I don't know if you remember, uh, what was it, SummerSlam 90, 98 or 99, whichever one it was with uh, Shamrock and uh, Owen in the Lions Den. Um, oh, wait, was that Shamrock and Owen? Because the Lions Den match, I remember, was Steve Blackman and Shamrock. There was two. There was two of them. Oh, you're right. You're talking about the first. The first one would have been 98 then because Blackman and Shamrock was late 99. Yeah. Yeah, because Dan Severn was, was the ref. Um, but yes, uh, I secretly wanted to see, let them have a, uh, a Lions Den or a MMA stop, rules match or something. And that could kind of be Brock's de facto goodbye and his warm up for going back to UFC. Cause we all know that's what he wants to do. Um, 
But no, I'm I'm, a, I'm interested in Lashley versus him. Hell, the perfect end of this would be Kurt Hawkins rolling him up, right? Wouldn't that yeah, be perfect? Yeah, selfishly, that would like that would be you know. It would definitely be the best way to show the hypocrisy of the fans because they'll rally behind Kurt Hawkins going from jobber to champion in a way that they never rallied behind Jinder going from jobber to champion. Look, man, you can't talk all this truth on the show. You can't do that. We can't do that. Too, move on to that, the next topic. Too much truth. Let me, let me say this. I'm not a gender apologist. I'm not a gender fan. I think that gender is mediocre. I don't think he's bad. I think he's mediocre. Yeah. And I think he was given a position that he wasn't necessarily ready for, and he was put in an unfair circumstance. Absolutely. And that's none of that is Jinder Mahal's fault. But what I think is hilarious is there's a lot of people in the fan base who have said something like, oh, Kurt Hawkins should just roll up Brock and become the champ. And while that would be hilarious, and I fully support the hilarity of it, it's a great example of how fucking hypocritical the fans are. No, we can't make Jinder Mahal the champion, the WWE champion, because that's a super prestigious title and he's a career jobber, blah, blah, blah. But Kurt Hawkins can roll up Brock Lesnar because fuck it. Why not? I don't like Brock. After 200 plus losses. Yeah, because fuck it. Why not? I don't like Brock. Yeah, fuck Brock. Yeah. Good point. Um, but, 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 but Braun's the guy to get the title, right? I think. I mean, I think in the end, you don't give them the briefcase if not, because there are so many other stories they could have told with all of these other people. Oh, so man, I look. I, I I really like Braun. I think Braun is truly the next big show. And I, mean I think that, that Braun is currently. I think that Braun is currently a victim of what we talked about with Dalton Castle earlier. They didn't strike at the right moment. They've waited too long, and now it's still going to be big. Because people still support him, but the moment isn't there anymore. That may be true, and I, I think that actually is very true. I want to talk about the other side of that, though. And the other side of that is Braun's about to be exposed. Because it's a big difference between being existing in your own space in, in the mid-card or the upper mid-card or whatever, and being the guy. When you're the guy and you have to open up the show with a 50-minute segment, where you're talking, you know, or you have to wrestle the main event, which is a 15-minute, 20-minute segment where you have to wrestle and and tell an effective story, right? You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or things of this nature. Or your appearance is counted on to pop the quarter ratings at the top of each hour. Like, though, that's a different spot than just... It doesn't work if you don't build an actual character. And he is an actual character. But because I, Braun's char- but he is a character, but Bronze character is just, I fuck shit up. That's what it's become. That's not, that's not a character that's capable of doing all of the things that you're talking about. Absolutely. They yeah. never established the layers required. Absolutely. Why do you fuck shit up? Absolutely. What are you fucking things up for? Right. What's the long-term goal? Because the push was, I need more competition. Yes. Okay, why? Why? Even if it's just to lean on the strongman stuff, you can make a career out of that. Mark Henry made a great career out of being a strongman competitor. Mm-hmm. But the difference was, Mark Henry, when they finally pushed him, was at a moment when it clicked, and it was like, oh, I'm such a badass. Fuck a Hall of Fame. I'm inducting you into the Hall of Pain. 
Yep. I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life, and we're going to establish that by having me beat up monster characters. Yes. I'm going to beat Undertaker. I'm going to beat Kane. I'm going to beat Big Show. Kali. Kali. Yeah. I'm going to mow through these guys. That's a great point. Um, I we're And then... Players. And then, since he's turned full-on face, he's been goofy. And it's fun, but I feel like we're on the verge of once he gets that title, the crowd's going to turn on him. I feel we're close to that. that because of, again, I could see that because, again, the lack of layers to attach like yourself yeah. to. He's truly no one-dimensional. Nuance. Exactly. That's the problem. He's, and that's why I said a lack of character. He has a persona, but it's not a character. Yeah. And it's a shame because Braun Strowman, amazing. if you follow him on social media, number one, he's an amazing person. Yes. But number two, he's full of personality and full of character and yes. full of – he's got that intangible it quality that we talk about that makes you want to pay attention to him because he is very larger than life. Yeah. They've, only, they've not built anything beyond he's big and he pulls shit apart. Similarly to Roman, how Roman is a different dude when he's – you know, on the talk show circuit or on the red carpet and he's engaging and interesting. Braun is just that, but even more full of life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one, if you notice recently, he's so big, he gets that gentle giant vibe. You know, everybody loves a super huge guy that gives off that teddy bear. I think, and this is going to be a bit blasphemous, but he's almost a white shack. Shorter, but I, I see where you're coming from. Absolutely see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, like, they're both he's truly... just such a personality, and yeah. he's so jovial. Exactly. Um, and you know if he if you if he gets serious or you piss him off, he'll snap your head off your, your body. Yeah, he'll just turn it on. Yeah. Um, and if you notice, this is this is how I know guys are really being pushed to the top of the company. Um, or at least being trusted. When you see that they have uh, the upfronts for NBC... Or they have a major company thing. He just did a Make-A-Wish. He just yeah. did a make He's who reached get, Make-A-Wish status. Who gets sent to these things? Who are the guys They the guys that they prop? And Braun's been doing that. Um, but I do fear for Braun. does a lot of that, but he'll never be pushed up the card for all sorts of reasons. Who's that? Titus. This is true. Anytime and, Titus fulfills that Mark Henry role of any time that lower card guy that does all kinds of charity work. But the, I think the difference between Titus and Mark is Titus is, is getting popular for that. Mark never got Mark popular for it. Mark never did it to become popular. And Titus Mark hasn't either. No. But it's just, he know so many people he's friends with are popular. Batista is his best friend, right? Like things well, like went, this. He went to Florida during the height of the Spurrier era. Yes. I know this because I went to the University of South Carolina when Spurrier was the head football coach and. Every time WWE did a show in Columbia, Titus would be tweeting out pics from the gym at the university. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I I don't I don't know if Titus is ever talent wise worthy of being pushed to the top of the car, but I would like for them to give him something substantial. I would like I would have liked you know when the primetime players first won the tag team titles, I thought this is perfect for both of them. Yes. Either of them are going anywhere solo. Neither of them are moving up anywhere solo, but together they work. And that theme song is still fire. Totally agree. 
and then and then remember this was after Darren had come out. Yes. So you have so many different layers. Uh, well, and on it the gave team. you the opportunity to handle Darren Young the right way by allowing Darren Young to just continue to be Darren Young and not have to become gay Darren. Young. I'm 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 the guy who's gay. Absolutely. Which is why I'm glad they didn't push him directly after he came out. In fact, it's also I'm really appreciative of how they handle Sonya Deville. She's not lesbian Sonya Deville. She's just Sonya Deville, the badass performer who's getting better and better every week. Absolutely. Um, speaking of women, I'm good, a good segue. Let's get to the Bailey Sasha thing. So I really Bailey's the heel. I really do. Okay, you want her to be, but do you better. think she is? I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because they've not effectively done this story. Okay. Because of, because of how long they slow brewed it. They slow brewed it for so long that when the beating finally came, I didn't know what to think anymore because they both turned on each other so many different times that one beating doesn't inherently make you the face or the heel in this one. You know, I think of all the times that they both abandoned each other in a tag match and all of the times that they made amends only to turn on each other again. And okay. So but, let me ask you but Bailey to be the heel because I think that Bailey has the chance to pull a Sami Zayn and be the best kind of heel. The best heels are the heels that think they're heroes. Absolutely. Let's look. Bailey give a great heel promo about how Sasha always turned on her and Sasha always was only concerned about Sasha and how Sasha did her dirty at Elimination Chamber and all yeah, these Rumble. Yeah, and, and she could take it back to Brooklyn. She could take it back to Brooklyn. Like, I want Bailey to be full on, y'all ain't shit, hug myself, fuck you, Bailey. Especially so, after the crowd turned on her. With Bailey, this is your life, and the legs, the whole Alexa feud. Yeah, that entire thing. Like Bailey could cut a fire. I hate all of y'all. I'm gonna do me promo. Well, the problem is Bailey can't cut that because she's not talented on the mic. But she, David can write it for her. There's a difference. Sammy can talk. Bailey can't talk. But let's get to the crux of the issue. Why does somebody have to be the heel? Why can't they? Why can't they both be right and both be wrong, and it just be you? You you cheer for who you want to, who you believe in the situation. Like for example, I am on Team Bailey in the situation. If I was looking at this like I was watching a TV show, or these are my friends, right? Sasha and Bailey are my friends, and I'm the guy stuck in the middle. I would be Team Bailey because for the past four years I've seen Sasha bully Bailey and attack Bailey and beat her up. And do everything she can to hurt her. And then Bailey finally moved past her. And then earned Sasha's respect. And then become friends. And then Sasha be a good friend for a while until it's me or her. And I turn on her again. And I go back to the Sasha I've always been. And Bailey finally stood up for herself. If you were Team Sasha, you would say, well, Bailey wasn't worth your time. But she earned your respect. And as like a good friend would, you finally realized the error of your ways. And you became a friend. And you always looked out for her. But we're in a business where it's always about you have to look out for yourself before anybody else. So you just did what you had to do to, to, to always to, to succeed. But you all and but you always went back and said, hey, I'm sorry. You know why I had to do that. 
and you try to be her friend. You're the reason she's in WWE because you made in the main roster because you made her, you called her up. You're the reason she beat Charlotte because you helped her beat Charlotte. You're the reason this, that, and the other. And Bailey's just ungrateful. So you can look at it both ways. So both of them could be bad. Both of them could be good. But why can't we just play it down the middle and just pick who you want to pick? I'm going to I'm gonna counter with a more big picture argument. Okay. okay. Um, the women's division of WWE's main roster, period. So both shows. Desperately needs a heel that's a good that's a good ring general. Alexa, uh, yeah, because the faces on both shows are the mat technicians. I mean, Mickey is technically a heel, but yes, your 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 point is fair. Is Mickey is, but my argument against Mickey and I love Mickey James. I am of the opinion that if Mickey retires on Monday, she should be in the Hall of Fame on Tuesday. Yeah, because. She's a legend. Like, if you want to talk women's wrestling and you talk the legends of women's wrestling, after you talk about Trish and Lita and China and those girls, She's Mickey right better be one of the first ones out your mouth. Absolutely. Um, but Mickey's also, you know, late 30s. She's in that phase of her career where she is winding it down. Sure. She's not in that, you know... Not that she can't go anymore, but she's not at a point in her career where she wants to be that full-time person. Yeah, because her husband wrestles. You know, Nick Aldis is her husband. So between the two of them, both wrestling full-time, that's a pretty hectic travel schedule with two children. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, like, I think for the health of the women's division overall, it would be better... If they started to make or to consider at least making a couple of these more technically sound girls into antagonists, okay. so that it's not always the same formula. I, look, you, you're, you're, what you're saying is absolutely I agree 100. But why does it have to be Bailey? And I get I get your reason why because it would freshen the character. But why go with something new that might not work when you know Sasha could be the best heel in the company? Because Not Bailey, the, the face isn't. Because Bailey as a face isn't really working very well right now. Okay, but then why not address why it's not working instead of just redoing it? I, because Bailey isn't working, and I, I've said this on this show many times. Bailey isn't working because the fans won't allow it to work. And I know that's Rand's talking about the fans again, but hear me out. The reason Bailey worked in NXT was because it was it was literally your slow grind of three years, right? right. She had to really truly earn the fans love and she would get so far when she started off people like you, you when she started you almost questioned whether they're gonna go the eugene route with her because she was so goofy but then she would she would make her way and make her way and make her way and then she would lose unless you make her way and make her way and make her way and then she would get bullied and lose and she would make her way and make her way and make her way and got a title shot and then she lost she would make her way and make her way and then she got injured and when she came back she had to start from the bottom again and continue and continue and continue and continue to build up momentum until where it wasn't just that that it wasn't just that she wasn't good enough. She didn't believe in herself. And then the crowd started to believe in her because she started showing that promise. And the crowd helped her believe in herself, which let her beat Becky. They let her beat Charlotte. They let her beat Sasha and become the best in that company. But that's not an overnight thing. You 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 can't. When she came to when she came to WWE, the main roster, she was already at the apex. So there's a big generation of fans or a big subset of fans who had, didn't watch NXT 
who just knew this Bailey girl, but why do I like her? Because she hugs and has colors? Okay, that's cool for little girls and little kids, but why would I like her? The reason we liked her was because she earned it. She never had the opportunity to earn it on the main roster because if Bailey loses two matches, she's being buried, right? That's the thought process of the fans. So if you allow her to be continue to be bullied and mistreated and 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 people attack her and then she builds her way back up, then she'll be loved again because she would have earned the love organically. I understand your argument. I guess my argument to counter that would just be it's another instance of how the NXT model you know, it's not necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily that NXT is a problem, but the NXT model creates this inherent situation where the fans that watch NXT watch the main roster completely differently than fans that don't. Absolutely. And, and they do because you have to. You know, if I've invested all this time in Sami Zayn's character, why would I instantly forget all of the things that I saw him build towards? just because now he's on Raw instead of NXT. Absolutely. Why would I forget who Tyler Breeze is just because he's on SmackDown and not NXT? And so what it creates is it creates a situation where the third, and it is a solid third, there's 1.5 million network subscribers religiously, and there's about 2.5 to 3 million Raw and SmackDown viewers religiously. Mm-hmm. So that's roughly a third of your audience is watching your product in a way that the other two-thirds are not. And it's not that the other two-thirds don't aren't entitled to their stories, but you can't treat that third, because that's a significant minority. Sure, a vocal minority at that. Yeah, a vocal minority who speaks with their wallet, because that's the minority that's buying a lot of merch and going to these shows. And the two-thirds do too, but the minority spends more of their money on it, I would argue. And you can't insult their intelligence and you can't insult not so much their intel, not even so much their intelligence, but the dedication that they had to the product by pretending that what they did before didn't happen. And that's in a lot of ways what they ask you to do. Someone gets promoted and it's like, okay, yeah, you watched them do all this stuff in NXT, but we want you to just for the sake of the new direction they're going in, pretend that that didn't happen and that they're a brand new guy. Well, well, let's talk about Bailey and Zane, Zane more than Tyler because Tyler's just been Tyler. Tyler had he's not underutilized. He wasn't utilized for the longest, so it wasn't that he was failed. He he didn't have anything to do. Tyler was a victim of omission and still is. Tyler's yeah. not a victim of being, being poorly because yeah. you know I'm not even harping on losses because Tyler Breeze got beat on NXT. Absolutely. Like there's nothing wrong with being a jobber to the stars. That's a a respectable place to be in a company. Oh, absolutely. Don't get utilized. So yeah, let's focus with Bailey and Sammy. That's fine. So with Bailey and Sammy, their characters, we just talked about character very strongly with Braun. Their characters are inherently underdogs. Yes. Right? Yes. The problem became that as underdogs, they eventually achieved the ultimate. Zayn beat Neville who was the best in the business in NXT at the time. And uh, Bailey beat Sasha in one of the best women's matches ever. Match of the yes. year, probably, for that entire company. Yes. Okay, but that doesn't mean that they're no longer underdogs. That just means they hit a hot streak. They reached their peak potential. So... Yeah, Daniel Bryan syndrome, man. 
Once you put them on, the, once That's you put the them at the apex, once you put them at the apex, you spoil the expectation. So it's not an NXT problem then. And so people just assume that they always are going to be at that apex. So that's why I say it's a fan issue. It's not an NXT issue. That's a fan issue because you've allowed yourself. Because okay, well, I'll let you finish first. I'll no, no, finish. just let me say this last point real quick. Go back to Zayn. What happened to Sammy directly after he won the title? He lost it, and he'll continue to lose over and over and over and over and over again. He went back to being who he was. Bailey, she had a very high level of success. Zayn has worked in the main roster more than Bailey has. Oh, Zayn absolutely works way more now, especially and now I, that he's turned heel. Right, but I'm talking about even as a babyface. And yes, I say this knowing that Bailey has won a world title, even even defended at WrestleMania, and Zayn hasn't won a title. But what I'm talking about consistent use. Zayn was okay. consistently used and as a face. Bailey okay. has been. Uh, okay, right? so here's my okay, so here's my counter on why I still think it is partly an NXT problem and partly a company problem. And I'll agree the company sets it up to be bad, but I don't think it's their problem. But go ahead. Uh, well, here's here's what I'm going to say. With NXT, the reason why a lot of this happens is because you never see someone in NXT take the step down. Because what happens once you reach the top at NXT? You're gone. You get called up. Yeah. You don't have a follow-up feud or a follow-up program or whatever. Sammy only stuck around as long as he did because he got hurt. That's a good point. That's, That's the only point. reason he was still there as long as he was, is because he got hurt. And so they don't condition you to see the upper mid-card stuff that this person would be doing after they've reached the top. The other problem is WWE, in my opinion anyway, and in the opinion of a lot of that vocal minority of the fan base, they don't effectively handle their upper mid-card writing. And as a result of that, when you see these characters being used, even though, you know, you make the argument a lot and it's a valid argument, they're being used. They're on TV. Sammy's being used. He's on TV every week. He's involved in these. And that in and of itself is a success. And that's well, a, rest, that, yeah. that is a valid, valid argument to make. But they, the writing is not done in such a way to make me see the value in it. It's not portrayed in such a way to make me see the value in it. It's only portrayed in such a way to make me see Sammy lose over and over and over again. And okay. I, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's true. I, I can agree with that. I so can totally agree I with that. I put that on the company. That is, You're yes. right about the fan entitlement aspect, 100%. But I put those things on the company because it's their call-up philosophy where we have these regimented call-ups every couple of months, which I think in and of itself should not be a thing. I want call-ups to be more random and appropriate. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with the WrestleMania. But I'm okay the, with the, the rest of the week. Up, but yeah. the rest of the year, I want yeah. them to be much more, like, randomized because people finish out their use in NXT at different times. I would argue that Johnny Gargano should be done now. Well, no, because he's 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 got to finish this Tommaso Ciampa thing. Oh man, let let it be let it be done. No, Ciampa spat, spat on his wedding ring. You can't get more despicable than that. That's why you can't. You, come on, man. If you are a married man, you cannot let that stand. Your your partner will not. If you were to go home to your partner, yeah, come you're on, right. man. Right. You can't you can't walk to he or she and be like, 
So, yeah. babe, I don't, I don't, I don't have my rhetoric anymore. Well, what happened? Well, the dude I was fighting took it out, spit on it, and threw it in the crowd. And you were here? <laughs> you're, you're not in jail? Um, but no, actually, you kind of, you kind of changed my, my opinion. You're actually, the way you, the way you pitched it to me actually makes a lot more sense. And I kind of, I really kind of agree with your point now. Um, it is the job of the company to give a, to establish the narrative of the character. And if you, if you, even if they have a different establishment, so and we know they can do it, and we know they can do it. If you think about, you know, still within NXT, think about Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black. Dream lost that match, but he didn't lose, and you saw that he didn't lose because at the end of the match, as soon as Black sat down and said, um, "Enjoy Infamy, Velveteen Dream," he won. Done. He won. It yeah. doesn't matter that he just lost that match. And that he didn't live up to whatever he won. But that's Bray Wyatt syndrome, though, because most of Bray Wyatt's matches were never about winning. Bray Wyatt didn't care about winning for the longest time. Bray Wyatt cared about making his point. The WrestleMania 30 match against John Cena is most notable because that match, that's one of my favorite matches I've ever seen, especially recently. It was so beautifully constructed because that match wasn't about Bray Wyatt winning. People get mad that Bray lost. Bray was supposed to lose. The match was about turning Cena into a monster. And there's one point where Cena has a chair and Bray does the Bray pose and says, go ahead, baby. Hit me. Come on. Tap into who you always were meant to be. That match with Cena, it jarred Cena so much character-wise. After the match, he had to go run and hug the nearest kid. Like, so, yeah. So that's kind of Bray Wyatt syndrome in that losing is ultimately winning for the character because the character didn't care about winning the match. We're making this point. Um, so uh, we need to move on to a couple our, our last two because we we're, we're hitting two hours almost. Finish these last two. I don't care. We can go all day as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's all the same to me, man. Uh, I just know this. I ain't listening to three hour podcast personally. So oh hell no. no. Oh hell. No. I ain't gonna make nobody listen to three hour podcast. No. Let's knock out these last two real quick, real quick. There yeah. two quick, um, two real quick hits. Um, number one, Brian Kane are back together as Team Hell No. What do you think about that? You know, my instant thought was, damn you, WWE, because I was actually at a point where I was honestly on board with Dr. Shelby coming to mediate Bailey and Sasha. <laughs> I was totally for that life. And then Kane came back. Um, but no, no, my immediate thought was, I'm going to turn 28 years old this year. I came of age as a wrestling fan at the, like, beginnings of the attitude era yeah i vividly remember the undertaker first telling the tale of his brother kane and kane debuting and i vividly remember kane and x-pac kane versus big show kane and undertaker again kane versus dx kane and triple h kane and benoit like i vividly remember the greatness that was kane and Kane has stepped into that same strata as Undertaker of legends that it hurts my feelings to see now. Because seeing them as such a shell of what they used to be is sad for me. Okay. And that was my big thought. You know, I, I don't really care one way or the other about Team Hell No reuniting because it makes sense for the story. Brian needs somebody to partner with if he's going to go up against bludgeons. And if they don't want it to be Miz, it makes sense. 
Kane can come, he can do this thing real quick, and then he's so part-time at this point, he can go back to being the mayor of bumfuck Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, I don't really care. For me, it's more just watching a legend in their twilight is always sad. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you're a football fan, watching Brett Favre's last couple of years were tough to watch. Absolutely. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a Suns fan, so seeing Steve Nash play one last season with purple and gold on killed me, you know. Um, so let me but let me tell you why I'm behind it, and I'm 100% with you on the legend thing and seeing a guy so often, kind of Ric Flair syndrome, if you will, is really off-putting. But let me tell you why I'm behind it, and I also want to I also want to note that I I understand that the last few years between Kane and Daniel Bryan have been very contentious on screen. You know, Kane chokeslammed when he, when he was general manager and uh, when he was, when he was world champ, Kane was the guy who was attacking him and chasing his wife and all that. I get it. But uh, let me tell you this. I don't want Daniel Bryan wrestling. Personally, I can't speak for anybody else. It, it hurts my heart to see him still wrestle. It's tough for me to watch him wrestle. I understand that he's cleared medically, which doesn't really mean shit. It just means that, oh, well, you passed the test. I also understand that this is his goal and his dream and what he wants to do. So he's a grown man. He can do what he wants. But it hurts my heart because I know the risk he's taking. And I know he has a family. So yeah, because I don't want to. week, I like held my breath. Yeah. With, yeah. When Joe dropped on his head. Absolutely. So with that being said, that takes away my interest in seeing him wrestle. I'm watching him. He's having great matches, but I don't care to watch him. You put him with Kane, you give me nostalgia. You remind me of some good times. You remind me of the fun. You just you just talked about Joy Ryan and wrestling can still be fun. Because one thing Team Hell No is, it's fun, right? Um, and so now I'm invested in Brian again. Because you've given me something to offset the fear, right? You so you've become for you what Jeff Hardy is for me. Yes. Love Jeff Hardy. I, I'm from the Charlotte area. I love Jeff Hardy. But as soon as his matches are over and I remember that he limps so badly because he's fucked his body up so much, I am reminded why I don't really want Jeff to wrestle. This, that's a very that's a very wonderful uh it's a very wonderful comparison and both of them are wrestling on SmackDown prominently. Uh which is interesting. But I do before we move on, the last thing I wanna talk about is Shinsuke getting bit by the dog. That's bullshit. But uh I do wanna also mention that a lot of people, Rich in particular from One Nation Radio, are upset because they feel like Brian is being diminished. Here's what I'm gonna say to those people. I got two things to say to those people. The first one is, Danny Bryan has not signed a contract extension. We know that because that darn sure would have been reported by now. So he has not signed a contract extension, and his contract ends this summer. Yes. So if I'm WWE, why in the hell would I put this man in these big main event matches and give him this big spotlight if there is still every possibility out there that maybe he decides 
you know, I've only got a few matches left in me anyway. I'm going to leave and go wrestle some of these indie guys that I've been wanting to wrestle for a while. Peace out. And just go. Because he could do that. Um, so there's that. But number two, Daniel Bryan opened SmackDown and closed SmackDown this week. So I don't want to hear shit about how Daniel Bryan's being used. Stop speaking truth. He opened and closed the show. He was in the middle of the show. He's not the general manager anymore, but he's still the biggest pop in the show. SmackDown is not the house that AJ built anymore. SmackDown is the Daniel Bryan show. Well, it was never the house AJ built. It's the house that AJ rented from Daniel Bryan. Yeah, like, this is the Daniel Bryan show. So, like, I don't want to hear none of that how he's being used nonsense. Because it's not like Daniel Bryan won every match before. The whole yes movement was that Daniel Bryan lost all the fucking time. But he deserved to be... Yeah. In a, better, in a better situation, yeah. Exactly. So, like, what is this nonsense? And besides, they're showing you where it's going. We all know that no matter what, whether it's at SummerSlam or he signs the extension, that all of this is building to him and The Miz. And it will probably be for the title. So let's let's talk about why. He's, let's talk about the title. Let's talk about – because that's what people – they want him to be champion or in the title picture. He's not going to be champion. Miz is going to be champion, and he's sure. sick. But let's talk. Let's talk about reasons from a company perspective. And I know fans don't like to think about things from a business perspective, but that's what we're here for. Um, I've just talked about how I don't want to see him wrestle because I'm scared for his injuries. Right? We know what happened to Brian after he won the World Heavyweight Championship. We also know what happened when he came back. The next year, Royal Rumble happened. It happened. Wrestled Roman. That happened. Won the IC title, then held it for a couple a month or so, and then got hurt again. Right? So if let's just hypothetically say that they were prepared to give him the championship. Brian's been cleared for three months now. Has it even been three? Not really. Let's let's just for for, for the purposes of this conversation say it's been three months, right? The the past two times you've given him a championship. It was three months, and he was gone. So don't you think you want to see him actually wrestle consistently for a few months before you give him the strap and then have him have to get hurt again, God forbid, knock on wood, and then have to do it all over again? Well, and also, you know, I I know that the fans are just as bad about this as WWE is when we talk about kayfabe only matters when we say it matters. Yeah. Um, The fans are just as guilty of that. Because also, let's not forget, Brian wasn't involved as an active competitor for over a year. You can't just pretend all those people that had leapt over him in line aren't still ahead. Just because you – if I'm in line for a table at a restaurant, if I leave, I don't get to come back and stay in the same spot in line. Oh, no, 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 better one, better one, better one, better one. If you reach a level at a job and you leave it and you come back three years later – they're not going to give you the same position. That's just, Yeah, that's just not how it works. So, like, all these people that are above him right now in that push for the title, they should be because they've been on the show every week for a year competing. You, He's on the show with Edge Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, The Miz, uh, Moa Joe, Rusev, uh, Jeff Hardy, Andrade Cianomas. The entirety of New Day. New Day, um, Randy Orton's still on the show. The bar separately. The bar separately. 
Seamus yeah. and Cesaro as individuals. Like, and he, he jumps all that because people like saying yes. And this isn't this isn't this isn't the Daniel Bryan hate period because I know that's oh, I'm, I, I like D Bryan. That's not yeah. what I'm saying at all. Yeah, but, but I'm synonymous I'm, with I'm my, my, my I'm my name in wrestling lore is synonymous with hating Daniel Bryan. It's never the case. But I'm always the one that's got to take these, got to give these texts because other people are so scared or don't want to. Yeah, like, I mean, AJ Styles is the champion right now, but Daniel Bryan is the main event. Now, imagine if Daniel Bryan got a title shot. Okay. But then y'all would still be claiming that Rusev is being buried. No, if Daniel Bryan got a title shot, not only would they complain about that, they'd complain because Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in 2018 won't be as good as Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles in 2005. It's always something. It's always something. Well, let's 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 end with. Well, I, I like to end normally happily, but man, Shinsuke got bit by a dog, bro. Fucking like ain't by, that by a police dog. Like, ain't that some shit? Like, and here, here's the cold part about it. You know where they're at this weekend? They're in Japan. So he might not be able to wrestle in Japan the one time they go in the year because a police dog bit him, dog. That's cold. Oh. This attack by a police dog. Well, and the worst part is, this is America, so you know as soon as he got done being attacked by the dog, they searched him like he was some kind of fucking felon. He is brown, so... That's what I'm saying. Person of color attacked by police dog? Uh, it, it, I'm surprised it didn't end in an arrest. You know what? I I want to laugh, but it's not a joke. That's the truth. Like that's the sad part. Like that's the sad part. You, it's so fucked up that it should be funny. Oh my but it's god! So real. Yeah, we bite you, then we search you, and then blame you for getting bit. Yeah, well, you should have been there. I work here. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, that's what you get for being in the dog's way. What the dog says goes. Shouldn't have stepped wrong. You provoked him. Why were you looking at the dog in his eyes? Uh, sorry, sorry, Shinsuke. He doesn't like that you don't speak English. <laughs> okay, that's it. We, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta move. Um, uh, before we got here, man, anything else you want to say? Did you did you wanna did you have any predictions for Ring of Honor tonight or tomorrow, whatever we watch? Predictions. Um. I predict that Dalton Castle loses the title, but I don't know to which member of the Bullet Club. Marty Skrull is your new champion. I'm, I'm calling it now because Cody has Cody has already so Cody's wrestling for this for the Ring of Honor title now. July what is it seventh mm-hmm. is he's wrestling for the IWGP Heavyweight Title, and then all in he's supposed to wrestle for the NWA title. So he's already said it's the Triple Crown. So I see him losing losing. Well, I, don't know. I could see him winning tonight, though, because or because I know that um, Aldis at one point had said he's only going to put the title on the line for Cody if Cody wins the Ring of Honor title. Yeah, but but then that's just, but that's, but that, I feel like that for BTE, that's just that's way too perfectly set. Like they they have way too many turns and twists in their stories. For, oh, for it to I'm be not, that perfect. Not doubting. I haven't seen Alibi yet, so I'm one week behind on BTE. But oh, watch it, yeah, yeah. B- BTE is single-handedly the reason why I understand what's going on in New Japan, besides keeping a strong style, because that's literally the only. BTE, I mean, BTE is the best thing about Ring of Honor. Like, yeah. Look at SoCal Uncensored. They got way more over once they started doing shit on BTE. 
Look at Beretta and Chucky T. They got way more over when they started doing shit on BTE. Jay Lethal is starting to make a comeback now because he's doing the Macho Man stuff again. Doing the Black Machismo. Flip Gordon is a a certified headliner now because of BTE. Yeah, like BTE is a great example of how to properly book your talent, Ring of Honor. Take examples from the people that you employ. This, this, I'm not going to name this the Golden Lovers episode. I'm going to name this the Kyle Hayes Ring of Honor episode. <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I want them to do well. I, I know, just man. wish they would emphasize the positive and stop sucking ass. You know, I'm, you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to bring you on the show whenever it's time for a Ring of Honor show and just let you let Mark, loose. And then I'll we're going to... And then we'll we'll preview the show. Yep. I'll be your Ring of Honor guy. I can be like that YouTube series, Everything Wrong With Everything Wrong with Ring of Honor, Best in the World. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you being on with me, man. Tell them where they can find you. Um, all right, you can find me on Twitter. My handle's at Dr. S'mores. That's capital D as in Doctor. Um, capital S as in S'mores. No spaces, no periods. Okay, and you can all if you can always find both of us in the wrestling squared circle. Kyle's a little more active than I am, but it's on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's Ray Cash R E Y as in Mysterio C A S H as in Dollars. The show's at Outsiders Edge S S. I say this every show. I mean it. Eventually, we are going to start tweeting from that account again. One day, soon, this lifetime. But um, uh, yeah. Hey man, give us a listen at Social Suplex Podcast Network. That's at Social Suplex on Twitter. Anywhere you can listen to your podcast, you can find us. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, everything. If if you put your ear to the window and listen really hard, really really hard, you you'll hear Rich talking. Like we're, you can find us. Um, you can follow One Nation Radio at One Nation Radio. You can follow Ricky and Clive at Ricky and Clive. You can follow Keeping the Strong Style, the New Japan Show at KI Strong Style. You can follow the indie show, Grown Men Watch This Shit at Grown Men Pod. Um, oh, I write comments for the chair shot. Did I tell you that? Yeah, I write for the chair shot. Um, I don't know if you guys have kind of kept up with me over the past couple of weeks, but I've had a bit of a falling out of love with wrestling. And it's not wrestling's fault. It's a bunch of other, a myriad of other reasons, but I am still, we're still dating, right? We're still in a relationship. It's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah, a, a Facebook is complicated. So um, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a calendar this week, but I plan on having one coming this week. Um, I've been very tentative about doing podcasts, but Kyle's my brother, Carl's my brother, so I'm always loyal to those guys. I'm a beyond. Don't- we're we're counseling him through this tough time. We're going man, we're look, going to work through his family. Man, look, I if if I was in South Carolina, I would be on Kyle's couch right now, and he would have like a pad and glasses on. Um, but no, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us, listen to us, and uh, I just want to remind you guys that if you did not like the show, you have to remember we're following our dreams, and we tried. So you can't hate us, right? Because we gave it our all. Have a good and night. And also, if you hate us, we don't really care. Well, I, you, look, you've listened, to, you've listened to me long enough to know I don't. No fucks, David. Appreciate it, guys.